they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Today is the first Friday of July, 2022. It's the first Friday. It's the first day of July. So um, welcome. We'll say a prayer. It's noon. We say the Angelus to recall that um, our Lord and God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, became man. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray, pour forth we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. And we ask the angels to join us here and to give us light. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis uncelia terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis, benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, hosanna in excelsis. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, July is the month of the precious blood, and we want to talk about the fact that uh, we are freed from sin by the blood of Christ. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 9, it says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And then Paul goes on to talk about, yes, I do believe that uh, Paul, the apostle, was the author of the book of Hebrews. I know some scholars debate that. That's fine. They, the debate can go on. I'm not, I'm not definitive. I'm not the, the, but it is my opinion. So that's my opinion. Um, so, Paul goes on to talk about the fact that in the Old Testament, you had these animal sacrifices. They were prefigurations. They were copies of, the, of what would come in the New Covenant. And that in the New Covenant, it would be Christ himself who would offer himself. Okay, so that in the Old Covenant, the high priest would go in year after year and offer sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. But Christ would offer himself once for all. Now, that sacrifice, although it was only offered once for all, Jesus Christ, once he died, he would never die again. Nonetheless, he made it a perpetual memorial, okay? And that was the, the sacrifice of the Paschal Lamb in the Old Testament 
was a prefigurement of Christ offering himself, that the people of Israel were delivered from slavery by the blood of the lamb. And the paschal lamb of the old covenant was a prefigurement of Christ, the lamb of God. Do we know that Christ was the lamb of God? Well, St. John the Baptist pointed that out, right? Behold the lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Um, John says in uh, the beginning of the gospel of John. Um, let me see if I get this reference real quick. 198. John 129. Okay, and then you can compare Acts 122, Luke 141, and then 16.6, and John 3.29. So Christ is the lamb. He's the lamb who offers himself. And yes, he only offers himself. Catholics do not believe that Christ is being re-crucified at Mass. We believe that at Mass, because it is Christ who is the priest, the lamb, and the altar of sacrifice, it is always Christ acting in and through the priest that we see, that the priesthood of the new covenant is a, continue, is, is a, a sharing in the priesthood of Christ. And there is only one high priest. There's only one sacrifice. Christ is the sacrifice. Christ is the high priest. And when the priest is standing at the altar offering the sacrifice, it is the exact same sacrifice offered in an unbloody manner. It is the same sacrifice in an unbloody manner because now Jesus Christ is risen, ascended, and glorified at his Father's right hand. And yet in heaven, he still bears his scars. Look at Revelation 5, where, we, where John sees the Lamb of God. And, you know, he said, the lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. And John turns around to see the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he sees a lamb, a lamb standing, looking as though he had been slain. So Christ shed his blood once for all. And we don't re-crucify Christ at mass. We become partakers of that one sacrifice. We are present at that one eternal sacrifice. And Christ, the victim who immolated himself, is now no longer dying, but lives for all eternity as that one act of immolated love. There's only one act of immolated love. Jesus Christ immolated himself. The second person of the Blessed Trinity took to himself a humanity so that he could offer himself in sacrifice on behalf of sinners because no one, no human person could ever make up to God the price for sin. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And this was the message God was giving to his people in the Old Testament by having them have animal sacrifices and the blood of the lamb to prefigure the sacrifice that his son would make of himself in the human nature that he took to himself. Jesus Christ was not two persons. He didn't have a split personality. He was one divine person, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, who took to himself a human nature so that in his human nature he could shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins and to recapitulate all of creation. Remember, all of creation was estranged from God by the, by the fall of Adam. All of creation fell, not just Adam. And Adam and Eve lost grace and mankind lost grace. So Christ brings everything back to the Father through himself because he takes to himself a created nature, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Son of God, the eternal word, takes to himself a human nature. And in, that, in and through that nature, he offers himself in sacrifice to the Father once for all in a bloody manner. And then he renews that sacrifice perpetually in the holy sacrifice of the mass in an unbloody manner. Okay? The memorial, when Christ says to his apostles at the Last Supper, do this in remembrance of me, 
when he instituted the Holy Eucharist, this is my body, which is given up for you. This is the chalice of my blood, which is shed for you, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. So he sheds his blood for the forgiveness of sins, and it is his blood that forgives our sins. We as Catholics do not believe that it's our merits that the good works that we do win us salvation. That's not what we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ has won us salvation, that the second person of the Blessed Trinity really became man, and in his humanity, he really offered himself to the Father. And by so doing, he won salvation for us. He procured salvation for us, but that he offers that salvation to us and that by his grace, we do the good works that he commands us to do and that he has prepared for us to do that we might do all good works which thou hast prepared for us, O Lord. Remember the last judgment when Jesus describes what it would be like. He said, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you visited me. I was homeless and you sheltered me. Whatever you did for the least of my brothers, you did for me. So we're supposed to take care of the poor. We're supposed to do these works, not because we believe that these works gain us eternal life, but because God has commanded it. We we imitate God as his very dear children. We are God's children. So we imitate him as his dear children. We want to be like him. And Christ shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. So we too offer all of our sufferings in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. Not because we're gaining salvation, but because God attaches merits to our works. God is not stingy. He is generous. He's willing to share his glory with us. God made us to show forth his goodness and to share with us his everlasting happiness. God doesn't keep all the glory for himself. He glorifies himself in his saints. Even in the Old Testament, it said, I will sing of these godly men, our ancestors, He's speaking of those who have kept the commandments of God. And in the assembly, their names shall be told and their good deeds shall be remembered. So God doesn't keep everything to himself. He's not stingy. He wants to share with us his glory. He wants us to participate in his life. We share in his glory. We never become priests. We never become, excuse me, we never become gods. Gods. Yeah, there are priests on earth. We are priests By our baptism, we are priests in terms of we share in the priesthood of Christ as lay people in in, in that we can offer the sacrifice of our life to Christ. But the priest who is ordained, the ministers, and yes, Christ Christ designated and ordained priesthood to carry on his sacrifice. Not that they're repeating it, but that in every sacrifice of the mass, time and space don't exist and we are united to that one sacrifice of Christ and we are true witnesses of his death. That's why the separate consecration of the blood and the, the, the bread and the wine at the consecration of the mass to represent his death, to represent it, not that it's happening again, but that we're remembering it and that we're true witnesses that he really did die. He really shed his blood for us. And I hear that music, which means we're coming up against a break here. I want to thank you so much for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, July 1st. Again, we pray to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And thank you to all of our donors and listeners. Share this with your friends and invite them to tune in. We'll be right back. Don't go away. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, July 1st, 2022. We always uh, honor the Sacred Heart of Jesus on the fri- first Friday of the month, so try and remember to um, maybe go to Mass if you haven't gone to Mass today. Go to an extra Mass. Um, make a visit to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Do something special to honor His Sacred Heart. When you do go to Mass, you can offer your Mass in communion in reparation for the sins committed against the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus. So we were talking in the first half, we're talking about the blood of Christ being what saves us from sin. And, and that, you know, it's interesting. I, we, we talked a little bit about the fact that God isn't stingy about sharing his glory with others. And some people get upset when we, you know, praise people, um, especially when we talk about the saints in the Catholic Church. Well, in the book of Sirach, Sirach 44.1, and then verses 10 through 15, it says this. Now I will praise these godly men, our ancestors, each in his own time. These were godly men whose virtues have not been forgotten. Their wealth remains in their families, their heritage with their descendants. Through God's covenant with them, their family endures, their posterity for their sake. As for, and for, and for all time, their progeny will endure. Their glory will never be blotted out. Their bodies are peacefully laid away, but their names but their name lives on and on at gatherings their wisdom is retold and the assembly proclaims their praise now this is the reading for the feast of saints joachim and anne joachim and anne according to tradition are the parents of the of mary of nazareth the blessed virgin mary who is the mother of god mary the mother of jesus and so but it says that they're at gatherings, their wisdom is retold, and their, the assembly proclaims their praises. Okay, their glory is not forgotten, and their good works are always remembered. So we are supposed to practice virtue, not because we're trying to gain heaven by practicing virtue, but because practicing virtue makes us like God. God is good. He is holy. He is all holy. He is all good. There is no sin in God. There's no stain. There's no wrinkle. There's no blot. There's no evil. God didn't make evil. He didn't make sin. He didn't make death. God made life and made it in abundance, and he shares his life with us. God wants to share his life with us. And so when we had sinned and lost his friendship, he promised that he would send a Savior, and that Savior is his Son. His Son comes to save us from sin. And, and there are consequences to sin. When we do not follow the laws of God, when we sin and disobey him, we had a very stark reading this morning from the book of Amos. It was the first reading for the, the Mass. The 13th, we're in the 13th week in ordinary time in the liturgical calendar. It says, Hear this, you who trample on the needy and destroy the poor of the land. When will the new, when will the noon, excuse me, when will the new moon be over, you say, that we may sell our grain on the Sabbath, that we may display the wheat? We will diminish the containers for measuring, add to the weights, and fix our scales for cheating. We will buy the lowly man for silver and the poor man for a pair of sandals. Even the refuse of the wheat we will sell. On that day, says the Lord God, I will make the sun set at midday and cover the earth with darkness in broad daylight. 
I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will cover the loin the loins of all with sackcloth and make every head bald. I will make them mourn as for an only son and bring their day to a bitter end. Yes, days are coming, says the Lord God, when I will send famine upon the land, not a famine of bread or thirst for water, but for hearing the word of the Lord. Then shall they wander from sea to sea and rove from north to east in search of the word of the Lord. They shall not find it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this morning that when we are selfish and self-centered and we ignore the poor and the needs of those who um, the least of his brethren, that if we do this, God will send a famine on the land. Well, you know, in our country, there's been a great pro-life movement, but unfortunately, there's also been a great pro-death movement that's not great in the sense of good. It's, it's big, it's, it's loud, it's boisterous, it's obnoxious, it's, it's violent. And it, it cries out for the death. First of all, the death of the most innocent of our citizens. And the, the blood of the innocent cries out from the soil for vengeance. And when we do this, God warns, I will take away my word from among your midst. You will be starving to hear my word. That's interesting because the priest at Mass, he mentioned, he said, the word is not just the the, the written word. And that's true because for Catholics and for, for Christians, the word of God is first and foremost a person. The second person of the Blessed Trinity, the word became flesh. God speaks only one word, his eternal son, who is God. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, consubstantial with the Father. So, and through the word, all things were made. So when we ignore the needs of the poor, and especially the innocent, their blood cries out to God for vengeance. And the vengeance he takes on us is to remove from us the word of God the preaching of the true gospel, of the true word of God, and also the word of God became flesh and he remains among us in the Holy Eucharist. So we might, and and remember, it's not the people who who are being punished necessarily who are the most guilty. Remember in the gospels when um, the people come to Jesus and they talk about the people who, you know, the tower fell upon or that blood mixed, that Pilate mixed their, um, or was it Herod mixed their, blood with the blood of their sacrifice. And Jesus says, do you think they were the worst sinners? No, they weren't the worst sinners. But they suffered as a warning to you that if we don't change, if you don't change your ways, if you don't turn back to God and start living a godly life, then you'll suffer in the same way. Well, you know, people under communism in the 20th century, for how many years? For 70 years, they were deprived of the sacraments of the church. They were deprived of the Eucharist. They were deprived of public mass. They were deprived of the word of God. The word of God was outlawed. Now, you know, you had the the Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox Church that the communist government controlled, and they could only speak what the government allowed, just like in communist China now, where you have the, the patriotic church. 
And granted, I understand, you know, but the patriotic church can only preach what God, what not what God wants, but what the government allows. Because you see, in a communist country, the government sets itself up as God. And this is important for us to understand when we read the scriptures. Yeah, Amos was speaking to his people, and there's a historical context in which he's speaking. And he's warning the people, you need to stop cheating the poor, and you need to stop stealing from the poor, because if you don't, I'm going to take my word away from you. You're going to go into exile, and you won't have a place to offer sacrifice. You won't be able to offer sacrifice, and you won't have the word of God anymore. Because that's what you're asking for. When we don't keep God's commandments, when we don't obey his law, we're asking him to go away and leave us alone. Well, if God goes away and leaves us alone, we're going to be in a really sorry state. And Bishop Athanasius Schneider, he's a, he's the he's the exterior bishop of Kazakhstan, and he's one of those he's one of those people who grew up under the domination, <laughs> the horror of communism, and his mother was one of those people who would go miles to a secret mass, because there were priests. God did provide, but there were priests, and people had to go secretly to mass. And then she would, she would bring the Holy Eucharist back to her village. And when the people came, they wouldn't just come and receive Holy Communion. They didn't just come. They acknowledged that this is a person. This is my God. And they would spend an hour in adoration. They would spend an hour in adoration before they received Holy Communion. They couldn't have the mass in their village unless a priest came. And I, I'm a, I'm, I don't remember the whole story clearly. I don't know his whole story. But I know that Bishop Athanasius grew up under persecution. And he saw people, how they, they, they hungered for the word of God, not just to hear the gospel, yes, to absolutely to hear the gospel, but also for the Holy Eucharist, the word, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, who became man, who stays with us in the Holy Eucharist under the appearance of bread and wine. It's not bread and wine. There is no bread and wine after the consecration. Jesus is not. Jesus is not. Again, I say he is not present in the bread and the wine. There's no bread and wine after the consecration. It is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Really present, body, blood, soul, and divinity under the appearance of bread and wine. But it's only appearances. It's really him. He is God. And when God speaks the word, it happens. So when Jesus at the Last Supper said, this is my body over the bread, it really became his body, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And when he said over the chalice of wine, this is the chalice of my blood, the wine in the chalice really turned into his blood. Just like at Canaan Galilee, when he changed water into wine, it's like Bishop Sheen one time, does, does Christ have dominion over his, the elements? He calmed the storm. Does he have dominion over his own body? He walked on the water. Does he have the power to change water into wine? Yes, he has the power to walk on water, the power to change water into wine. He has the power to heal and to raise from the dead. He has complete power over the created universe. When God speaks the word, it happens. So when Jesus said, this is my body, and he is God, then the bread changes. The substance of the bread yields itself to Christ so that it is no longer bread, but it is really Jesus Christ, really present, body, blood, soul, and divinity under the appearance of bread and wine. And we can receive him in the Holy Eucharist. 
And we in the West may think, well, communism can never come here and they'll never take away the sacraments from us. And you know what? If we don't stop killing the children, if we do not win this battle to end abortion and to end youth in Asia and to end the oppression of the poor. And by the way, you know, paying taxes, I, I don't I really don't think that's the answer to ending the oppression of the poor, because if you look up the history of the welfare system in the United States of America, it's really not about taking care of the poor. It's about making the poor slaves of the government. Take a look. Take a good look. You know, I, I heard some young people who were all African-American descent, and they were testifying before Congress or the Senate, and they were saying that, you know, before Johnson's Great Society and before the putting of the black family, the African-American families on um, welfare in mass, we'll have to finish this story on the other side of the break. A little bit of interesting about what our taxes can and can't do, but we can always ask the angels with God's help, to make sure that our taxes are used for good and not for evil. But just because the government takes our money doesn't mean they're using it for good. So be very aware. I'll be right back for more on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, July 1st, 2022. Thank you for joining us and share your with your family. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, July 1st, 2022. We honor the Sacred Heart of Jesus, His heart from which blood and water flowed out, the sacramental life of the church. Um, Terry's not with me in studio because he's babysitting our grandson. And um, we're talking about Christ's blood that there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood and that happened when the second person of the blessed trinity who had become man who had taken to himself a human nature jesus of nazareth when he offered himself on the cross and shed his blood for us and we were talking about you know that today's reading from amos that's the reading for the friday of the 13th week of ordinary time it's the first reading for mass from the book of the prophet amos where amos talks about if you are going to trample on the poor I am going to take away my grace from your, from your nation. I will take away my word. You won't have my word. I will give you a famine, a famine of God's holy word, and you will thirst for it. So do we thirst for God's word? And we should thirst for it. We should look for it. And, 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 but we want to, some people think that the answer to taking care of the poor is paying more taxes. Just pay more taxes. And well, here's the deal. You know, it, look at the history of the whole welfare system and what happened in our country. And I, I discovered by watching Candace Owens and, and some of her other young African-American friends who have looked up the history of the African-American family and the African-Americans, and even under the Jim Crow laws in our country, in the 1950s, according to, to these young people, and they testified, over 50% of all small businesses were owned by African-Americans in America. And the number of out-of-wedlock out births in African-American families was far lower than it was among Caucasians. 
So we have this reality going on in the 1950s until the 19, early 1960s. You had a solid African-American family where the family stuck together. A husband and wife committed to each other for life. And sometimes grandparents were involved there. And, and they were hardworking and they were diligent and they took care of their families and they raised their families up to work hard. And then in the 1960s, under President Johnson, you had this great society idea where we're going to take all the African-American people and say that they're poor and they can't take care of themselves, and we're going to have the government take care of them. So we're going to let the African-American fathers not take responsibility for their families. And it decimated the African-American family. And 50% of all small businesses aren't owned by African-Americans now. But it's not because there's a systemic racism by the people of the United States of America. Yeah, there were certain racist people who became very powerful in government who made policies that were very destructive to the African-American family. But you know, they tried to do this to other poor people too. The government would come into other homes and say, we're going to give you this. And I'm sure there were some African-American fathers who said the same thing. I don't need your handouts. I will support my family. I will take care of them. And the families that did that stayed together and they were strong. And they continued to be good, solid families. But if you let the government come in and take your responsibility away from you, this is a bad thing. This is not a good thing. So I don't need to pay more taxes. Now, granted, you're always going to have the poor among you. Jesus said that. And you're supposed to give to the poor and take care of them. They had a, a, young, a man at St. Christopher's in West Covina years ago and he lost his job he kept looking for a job but he was having a really rough time and he had quite a quite a few children well the people from the parish stepped up and helped to support the family while the father was looking for a job where he could support the family he didn't go on welfare the parish helped out and this is the way it's supposed to be done the local community the local people our local parishes you know it, it's beautiful there's a there's a um, Ascending Lights is a group, it's, it was started as the St. Justin Foundation, it became Ascending Lights, and they founded a, um, a scholarship fund for young people in Los Angeles, and what they do is they go to the parishes, and they find young people who are working in their parishes, they don't have to be Catholic, but working with their pastors who are trying to better their lives, and they give them scholarships. These are people who are poor and wouldn't have an opportunity. They give them scholarships to go to East L.A. Junior College, Community College, and, and get a degree and so that they can better their life. And these young people, this has been going on since the 1990s. This was founded by Gary Krause and his wife Marjorie in the 1990s, and they got some people together, and they worked, and they set up this board. And my, our, my husband Terry served on the board for a while, as long as he was able to, but... Um, and the St. Justin Foundation gave these young people an opportunity to go to college. Now, it, they had to have very strict rules. It's not like we're just going to give you this money and there's no responsibility. No, 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 no. You're on scholarship and there are rules you have to follow. And if you break the rules, you're out of the program. It's a program. It's a program to help people better their lives. And it's working beautifully. As a matter of fact, I know one of the graduates, Susanna Varela, was, she came to my Bible study. She was one of the first graduates and I didn't know that until her funeral. She died at a young age, but she lived a life of faith. And she was a woman of faith. And she prayed and she offered her sufferings in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. And she died young. She was 46 when she died. She would have been 47 this year in October. 
but Susanna was a beautiful woman, and, and I didn't know that she had been one of the graduates of St. Justin Foundation. I probably had heard her name throughout the years or seen her picture, and I didn't remember it. But at her funeral, Gary Krause sat behind me, and he, he called my name at the end of the Mass. And I looked, and I was like, Gary, you knew Susanna? And he said she was one of our first graduates. And he said this funeral here is a testimony to the effect she had in the world. And it's just a beautiful woman. And this is, people can better their lives, but give, don't give them a handout. Give them an opportunity to take responsibility for their lives. And this is what the St. Justin Foundation does. And it offers, it's the Ascending Lights now, Ascending Lights Leadership Program, Ascending Lights Leadership Program. It trains young people to be leaders, but it gives them mentors too. It doesn't just give them a scholarship. It gives them a mentor who will work with them, who's assigned to them. And you know, they get, they're given a chance. If they fall down, they can get up again and they can try it. But, but if they don't keep the rules, they will end up getting kicked out of the program. And it's a beautiful program. And it is. It's, it's helping people better. And this is what, you know, the African-American people, any poor person, they don't need someone to give them a handout. They need someone to give them the opportunity to make their life better. And it's the local community that has to get together. And this is the way it was in the early church, wasn't it? What did it say in the Acts of the Apostles? There was no one in need among them. Why? Because everyone who had more than they needed of this world's goods laid it at the feet of the apostles to be distributed among the poor. This was the role of the deacons. This is what the deacons are supposed to be doing. And the church, the local community, the people, were supposed to be looking for those who are suffering, like that man at St. Christopher's who lost his job. And he couldn't support his family. So the people of the parish got together and they supported him. And eventually he found a job, yes. And he was able to get back to, but they didn't just give him a handout and say, okay, you can, you can sit at home and watch TV and smoke your cigarettes and drink your beer and, and we'll just support you. No, work dignifies the human person. You know, work, <laughs> hard work and sweat came into the world as an intrusion at the fall of man. But just like um, death, came as an intrusion, um, and suffering came as an intrusion. Those things now become a means to help us take responsibility and regain our dignity as children of God, made in God's image as persons to be loved. God made us to live in union with him. God didn't make us for mediocrity. He didn't make us for laziness, and he didn't make us for a finality in this world. We are made for greatness. We are made for union with God. We are made to live with God in heaven. We are made to share in the glory of God. We will never become gods, you know, as some religions think. No, we're not going to be little gods. No, there's one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the most blessed trinity, God, our Father in heaven, he loves us. He sent his Son, and the Father and the Son send their Holy Spirit to sanctify us. And we are washed clean in the blood of the Lamb, not so that we can go back to a life of sin and debauchery. You know, it, there's no place in heaven, it says, for, for those who will, what do you say, willingly and um, blatantly break the law of God who commit adultery, who commit perjury, who lie, who steal, who hate, who commit murder, who commit fornication, who live a licentious life. These things are not of the Spirit. Remember joy, peace, patience, kindness, benignity, piety, fear of the Lord, chastity. Those are of the Spirit. What dignifies us is hard work, Suffering in union with Jesus Christ, 
And Terry tells that beautiful story of the 12-year-old boy who he had been sick for a year in a hospital. He's sick for a year with cancer, and he was been in the hospital for three months. And this priest, this Jesuit priest, came to visit him and asked him, "Would you like to be a missionary? A missionary? What do you mean, a missionary? Father, I can't, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. How can I be a missionary?" He said, "He said, do you know, little boy, that because of your sufferings, if you unite those sufferings to Jesus Christ, your sufferings can be more, mere more, more can bring more good about in this world than my work as a priest." And the little boy is like, what? Yes, I want to offer my sufferings. How do I do this? And Father told him, offer everything you do in union with Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus for love of you. Jesus for love of you in union with you crucified. And at Fatima, the angel told the children to say, make of everything a sacrifice for love of Jesus in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary and for the conversion of sinners. So we can offer our sufferings. And the the boy began to cry. And Father said, why are you crying? And he said, Father, I've been sick for a year. I've wasted a year of my pain. I could have offered all of this in union with Jesus, and I didn't know it. Nobody told me. And because there is no, no time in God, I would dare say, and I hope Father said to him, well, you can take that year that you thought was wasted and now unite it to Jesus on the cross and everything going forward, and you can become a missionary for Christ. Just like Tres of Lezoux, the, the Carmelite nun who lived in a convent in Lezoux, she never left her convent after she entered it, and yet the church has made her the co-patroness of the missions. And St. Therese of Lezoux prayed and sacrificed for priests, and she prayed for missionary priests. So yes, all of us can be missionaries by offering all of the crosses, toils, and disappointments of life in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. Yeah, more about this on the other side of this break. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Please tell your family, share this with others. We have a Bible study on Virgin Most Powerful Radio every Friday. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, July the 1st, 2022. And we're talking about being, um, that there's no redemption without the, the, the shedding of blood. And it was Christ's blood that was shed that brings about the forgiveness of sins. And we talked about being able to offer our sufferings in union with Jesus. And we talked about the little 12 year old boy who learned to do that, who was suffering with cancer. And now Trez of Lezoux, who's the co-patroness of the missions. And, you know, she would write to priests, missionary priests, and tell them she was praying for them. And there was one missionary priest who said, I don't think I can continue with this mission because my feet are so sore. I have so far to walk, I can't continue walking. So Trez asked the Lord to let her suffer on his behalf. So there in her convent in Lezoux, she actually felt the pain in her own feet that the priest would have experienced in his. And he wrote to her later and said, you know, I'm going to be fine. I, my feet aren't hurting anymore. I'm, I'm good. I can walk. And he, she didn't tell him, but God knew. And so we, we can offer our sufferings. We can unite them. And Paul, in his letter, he, one of his letters, and I can't find it right here right now, but he talks about, I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the good of his body, the church, that we can unite our sufferings with Jesus Christ. 
And we talked about the, you know, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, right? What are the works of the flesh? What are the things? But for freedom, we were set free. Paul says in his letter to the Galatians, he says, for you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, be servants of one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you are not consumed by one another. And then he goes on to say, now the work of the flesh, the works of the flesh are plain. Immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. These are the works of the flesh. These are the things that we were set free from by the blood of Christ. We were set free from the power of sin. Our bo- yes, we have a body. And because our body, and because of original sin, we don't always get it right what is the true good we're supposed to choose. We're supposed to, it's not, a, it's not an it, it's a who. It's three who's, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, but three divine persons in this God. And we're supposed to choose God over everything of this created world. The world as we know it is passing away. God made us for heaven, for heaven. And so what are the fruits of the spirit? And I got most of them when I said the list. I missed a few. But the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that we're able to have when we are in Christ. And this is what we're striving for, all of us on this earth. By the way, we are all one family. It doesn't matter what color our skin is or where, what continent we were born on. We were all made by God, as, and we are his very dear children. We are supposed to behave like God as his very dear children because we are. He adopted us in his son. When the son of God became man, he adopted all of mankind as his children. Not that he wasn't already our creator, he was our creator in that sense, our father, because he is the, the originator of us all. So he was our father, creator father. But now he becomes father in another way. We become sons in the sons through Jesus Christ if we are baptized and if we accept Jesus Christ and his word. But remember, Jesus says in the Gospels, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The commandments. And he's talking about the Ten Commandments of the old law. Thou shalt... I am the Lord your God. You shall not have strange gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember to keep holy the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. And thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. And Jesus said, we have to keep these. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he said, all the commandments are summed up in this. In what? I am the Lord your God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, with all your strength and will. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then at the Last Supper, Jesus takes that up a notch. He said, you shall love one another as I have loved you. And how does Christ love us? Look over my shoulder. 
He died for us. He shed his blood for us. So we're supposed to shed our blood for our brothers to keep them from sinning. Jesus died to save us from sin, to, re- to free us from the power of sin, from the free us from this disordered nature of ours. When man sinned, his flesh started to militate against his spirit and his spirit against the flesh. Before sin, God had given Adam and Eve gifts, the preternatural gifts, whereby all of the faculties of their body were perfectly subject to their intellect. The intellect and the will are the two faculties of the soul. So the body was perfectly subject to the intellect, which clearly saw God as the true good and could easily choose God over all created goods. The will would choose. The will chooses. But the will chooses as it's informed by the intellect. So when the intellect clearly sees that God is the true good, then the will chooses God. But you see, when man fell, then all the faculties of his body are crying out for their own favorite food, and the intellect no longer has control over all the, dis, the, the disordered chaos in the body. So we have to strive to bring the body back to understand. The body has to begin to understand that God is the true good that you were made for. Even our bodies were made for God. Our bodies will dwell in hope, in the hope that we will be with God in eternity. And it's the blood of Christ that makes this possible. Our sins are forgiven because Christ shed his blood for us. He shed his blood. Once for all, Catholics do not believe that Christ is being re-crucified in the Mass. They believe that the Mass is the representation of that one eternal sacrifice. And it's not a bloody representation. We are true witnesses of the death of Christ. But Christ, the priest, the lamb, and the altar of sacrifice offers himself in the mass in an unbloody manner in his risen ascended glorified state through the action of the priest at the altar it is jesus christ the high priest who offers himself to the father as he does when he is in heaven the lamb in revelation 5 who still bears his scars and offers himself perpetually to the father as the offering for sinners i shed my blood for them I plead for their salvation. And we are supposed to be praying with Christ for the salvation of sinners. All of us sinners. We're all in this together. We're all sinners. And Christ came to save all mankind, everyone that's willing to be saved. But he won't save us against our will. We have to set our will to do God's will. Can you say Jesus Christ is Lord? Jesus Christ be my Lord. Jesus Christ I accept you as my Lord, and I want you to be the Lord of my life and of all the faculties of my body. So help me to offer myself to you in my weakness and help me to rise above my weakness in so far as it is according to your will. But when I fail, help me to trust in your mercy and call upon your mercy. Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus, remember the price that you have paid for us. Please don't let that price be lost on us. It was your blood that was shed, Lord. Please don't leave us to be devoured by the falsity and the evil that is let loose in our world today. We need to turn back to God and beg God to become once again the Lord of the world, the King of creation and of all of us, that Jesus Christ is our Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is his blood that was shed. He is the one who redeems us, and it is his blood that wins for us the forgiveness of sins. Catholics don't believe it's our works that that bring us the forgiveness of sins. No, we believe that it's the blood of Jesus Christ that gives us forgiveness. And remember, the Catholic Church is the one church that was founded by Jesus Christ. It's the one church that goes back to the apostles. It's so interesting that in this 20th century, now when we have the ability to record talks and 21st century, sorry, we're, we're in the 21st century. Yeah, that, wow, we're already in 2022. But many Protestant ministers have come back to the Catholic faith. They've come home. And how did it happen? Through their study of scriptures and the fathers of the church and beginning to realize that it was the Catholic church that Jesus Christ founded and they're coming home. They've been searching for home and now they're coming home. But again, let us take the warning from the prophet Amos that we got in the first reading for today, the 13th week of ordinary time, Friday, the reading, first reading of the mass from the prophet Amos. It's Amos 8 verses 4 through 6 and 9 through 12. Let us be very careful to strive to be faithful to the Lord, especially in taking care of the poor and the downtrodden and the innocent, protecting the lives of the unborn and the lives of the aged who are in danger of being euthanized or anyone who is terminally ill. Our suffering has meaning. Don't waste your suffering. If you're suffering, unite your sufferings with Jesus Christ. We can do this. If you're in a crisis pregnancy, call a pregnancy help center. Ask Jesus to lead you to where you can find help. There's help out there for all women. And if you've had an abortion, you know, if you've been involved in helping someone kill themselves because they were tired of suffering, go to Jesus and say, I'm sorry, Lord. For your children who've been aborted, name them and tell them you're sorry and lift them up to Jesus and ask Jesus to gather them to himself. For those that you might have helped to commit suicide because they were in great pain, maybe they weren't fully responsible for their actions. Pray for them now. Pray for them that they might have the blood of Christ washed down upon them and make them clean. But go to confession if you're Catholic. At least ask the Lord for mercy and forgiveness. We are saved by the blood of Christ, the blood of the Lamb of God, the precious blood of the dearly only begotten son of God. And he saved us for union with himself. We were made for a life of greatness and glory, a life of union with God. We are made to live in this world in union with God all the days of our life and then to spend all eternity with God, praising him and glorifying him and thanking him and giving honor to his holy name. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Thank all of you who who offer uh, um, your sufferings for our work, who pray for us, those who support us financially. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Please share Virgin Most Powerful Radio with all your friends, family, acquaintances, neighbors, everyone. Let them know. Let them know about Bible with the Barbers on Fridays so that they can join us. And please, God, we'll be back again next week on Friday, uh, one week from today and doing more Bible study and learning more about the Word of God and falling more deeply in love with God every day and accepting His mercy and love for us.